Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. In 2016, one of the candidates for president hit a nerve when he said, I'm going to build a wall. And then the question of what America should do about the 11 million plus immigrants who broke immigration law to get here or to stay here became central to the presidential campaign, while the proposed responses to their presence revealed significant differences in Americans' sense of right and wrong. They're here, these 11 million, but what is supposed to happen to them? And what would be right or wrong? Well, that sounds like the makings of a debate, so let's have it. Yes or no to this statement. Give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. A debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan. We are at the Kaufman Music Center in New York City with four superbly qualified debaters on the stage who will argue for and against the motion, give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. As always, we go in three rounds, and then our live audience here in New York votes to choose the winner, and only one side wins. The motion again, give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. Let's meet the team that wants you to vote yes on this motion. I want to first say hi to Mary Elena Incapier. And Mary Elena, you are um, executive director of the National Immigration Law Center. You started back there in 2000 as a staff attorney and went on to give your whole legal career to the issue of immigration rights. And my, my question for you is, did you, did you always have this goal? Is that where you saw yourself going? No, I actually started thinking that I wanted to be a DEA agent. Um, and after graduating from college, went back to Rhode Island, which is where I grew up, and really found that being in the immigrant community, that was my life's calling. And so that's what I've dedicated my life to. Okay, and you'll be arguing that side tonight. And can you Absolutely. tell us, please, who your partner is? Yes, my partner is the amazing, smart, and witty Angela Kelly, who is also a dear friend and colleague. Ladies and gentlemen, Angie Kelly. Um, Angie, I've been invited to call you Angie. That's, that's, Please call okay. me Angie. Okay. Angie so Otherwise, you're, I'd be scared. <laughs> <laughs> you're executive director of the Center for American Progress Action Fund mm-hmm. and senior vice president at the Center for American Progress. Um, you were its first vice president for immigration policy, but you left the organization briefly in 2014 to work as an advisor to the White House. Um, what, what was your area? What were you advising them on? Yeah, it was pretty wonderful. I got to actually be a fly on the wall on the West Wing. Um, and I was advising on the president's executive actions on immigration. Um, and it was a pretty extraordinary time. It was really quite wonderful. Well-versed in our topic then tonight. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the team arguing for the motion. Again, that motion is give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. We have two debaters who want you to vote no on the motion and are going to try to persuade you. Let's first welcome Stephen Camerata. Hi, Steve. Hi. Uh, so th- the nature of your work actually means, uh, and you're at the Center for Immigration Studies, you're director of research there, a lot of data. You do a lot of data work using uh, data from the Census Bureau. And a-, a number of years ago, the Bureau actually called you in and asked you, uh, commissioned you to examine the quality of their data on immigration. So what sort of grade did you give them? Well, we did that work for about five years, and we gave them basically a B plus, and we made some recommendations, which they mostly accepted. So the Bureau does a pretty good job of collecting data, and it's not easy. So your feeling is when we hear data tonight that comes from the Census Bureau, we, should, we can take it pretty, yes, pretty seriously? Yes, you, you, you should say that's the best data there is, and it's reasonably accurate. Okay, thanks very much. And Steve, who is your partner? My partner is Rich Lowry from National Review. Ladies and gentlemen, Rich Lowry. Hi, Rich. So, um, as just pointed out, you are the editor of the National Review. You were handpicked 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago, by William F. Buckley Jr. to lead the magazine. Uh, And all this year, the magazine has taken a very, very, very strong stand against a gentleman named Donald Trump. Uh, You put against Trump on your cover last back in January. But when it comes to immigration, there is some overlap between the magazine's views and his. What is it, like uh, 50%, 70%? It's a little hard to say with precision because Donald Trump changes the details up so often. But I agree 100% with the sentiment that in this area and in every other, we should be putting the national interest first. 
Okay, the team arguing against the motion give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. We move now on to round one. Round one are opening statements by each debater in turn. We will hear from all four of them. The motion again, give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. And here to try to persuade you to vote yes on the motion, Angela Kelly. She is senior vice president at the Center for American Progress and executive director of the Center for American Progress Action Fund. Ladies and gentlemen, Angie Kelly. Thank you. Thank you very much for the introduction and the opportunity to address and affirm the resolution to give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. What I'm going to do is to address three questions that I think are really important for you all to understand the context of the resolution and the implications of your decision. The first is, who are the undocumented? The next is, why are they undocumented? And finally, what are the options for the undocumented? So let's get started with the who. The undocumented are settled longtime residents. In 2014, the average undocumented adult had lived in the United States for 13 and a half years. If they have a U.S. citizen child, they have lived here for 15 years. So these aren't accidental tourists. They're not folks who decide to spend an extra day at Disney. They, they are home. And so when people say, send them home, they're missing the point. This is their home. About 7 million of the undocumented are workers. That's about 5% of our workforce. They pay sales tax. They pay property tax. And many pay income tax. In fact, estimates are that local and state governments net about 116 billion dollars a year from undocumented workers. That's the who. The question that I get the most often, though, in talking about the undocumented is why? Why are they just not getting in line and getting their green card? I have one relative who insists that there is a window at the post office that if they just went there that they could get a green card. So the U.S. immigration system is insanely complex, and it hasn't been updated in any meaningful way since 1990. So to understand how out of sync the system is, you just need to remember one number, and that's 5,000, because that's how many visas there are for workers, like the person who drove me to the airport this morning, or the person who's going to clean up after us after we all leave. So there's 5,000 legal channels, and that's it, for people who work in our hotels, in our restaurants, for the people who took care of my daughters when they were young, for the people who take care of my grandmother today. So we are now issuing visas to the adult unmarried sons and daughters of U.S. citizens from Mexico who filed for their visa in 1995. That's how long people are having to wait. And so if you're outside the U.S., you can't come visit because if you're trying to get a permanent visa, they won't give you a temporary one. Beyond the long waiting time, our laws say that if you've been in the U.S. illegally for longer than six months, you're subject to a penalty that you can't get legal status for 10 years. So the ironic thing is that we have a lot of undocumented people who have a qualifying family member who could petition for them, but this bar will kick in if they leave the U.S. to get their visa. They won't be able to come back in for 10 years. What do they do? They stay. The last question is, what are the options? There's four, but I think there's just one solution. So we can do nothing and be okay with 11 million people living without status, spend $17 billion a year enforcing laws that don't work, knowing that folks are getting exploited. We could aggressively deport them, and we could imagine what that would be like, to go to schools and churches and ferret people out, not the America we want to live in. We could give them something short of citizenship. We could just have them work here and never be able to belong. And that would undermine the fabric of our nation and lead to continued exploitation. The last, most realistic, defensible option is tonight's resolution, a path to citizenship for those who qualify, clear background checks, they'll pay fees, they'll learn English, and they will be the best Americans that we could have. Thank you very much. Thank you, Angie Kelly. The resolution is give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. And here to try to persuade you to vote no on the resolution, Rich Lowry, editor of the National Review. Please welcome Rich Lowry. Thank you, everyone, and thanks to Intelligence Squared for hosting this event and to our counterparts for what will be a spirited debate tonight. And we should just be clear at the outset what this debate is about. It isn't about whether there are illegal immigrants in this country who are exemplary people and have moving stories. There are. It isn't about whether illegal immigrants come to this country and overwhelmingly work. They do. 
It isn't about whether we should give an amnesty or legalization to so-called dreamers who came here or were brought here illegally at a very young age. It isn't even about whether we should have a blanket amnesty or legalization for every illegal immigrant in the country, no matter what. No. You can agree with every single one of those positions and still not support giving illegal immigrants the most prized possession in the world, one that tens of millions of law-abiding people all around the world covet, which is United States citizenship. That's how radical our opponent's position is tonight. I submit to you that even if you disagree with Steve and I on some of the policy, you can still reject this resolution. It is our position that we should oppose all radicalism on this issue. We should reject the radicalism of Donald Trump, who has absurdly talked of mass deportation, and we should reject this resolution, which is manifestly unfair to all the people who, like suckers, play by the rules of our immigration system. People who wait years to come here legally. Remember, this resolution has been tried before. In 1986, we had an amnesty and a pathway to citizenship for three million illegal immigrants in this country. That was supposed to solve the problem. It actually made it worse. We have four times as many illegal immigrants in this country now, and if this resolution were to become policy, we would have millions more. So what's the better policy option here? It's very simple. It's enforcement. Now, we don't need to build a wall, even a big, beautiful wall, but we do need to do more on the border, and very importantly, we need to do more to stop employers from hiring cheap, illegal labor that creates a jobs magnet to come here. If it's harder to work here illegally, fewer people will come and fewer people will stay. And then we can finally get an immigration system that will serve the interest of our workers first, who are natives and also, by the way, legal immigrants. If you care about income inequality, if you care about stagnant wages, you should oppose this resolution. I'm John Donvan. Round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate continues in just a moment. Stay with us. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. And a reminder of where we are. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, fighting it out over this motion. Give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. You have heard from the first two debaters and now on to the third, here to persuade you to vote yes. Marielena Hincapier, she is executive director of the National Immigration Law Center. Please welcome Marielena Hincapier. Thank you, John. Good evening, and thank you for the opportunity to argue for this motion tonight. I firmly believe in the promise of America, a promise which my parents, Arturo and Teresa, believed in. They were textile workers. They had a second and fifth grade education. They made the courageous and selfless decision to come to the United States. Why? For a better economic future for their children, just like millions of immigrants before and after them have done, including many of you who are listening and watching tonight. We're asking you to vote for this motion to give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship for three reasons. One, we are a nation of laws. Two, we benefit economically. And three, it's good for our society. First, the rule of law is important because it provides predictability, consistency, and when applied well, not discrimination. 
Unfortunately, our immigration law is none of that. Our immigration laws are dysfunctional and out of date. Congress must create a clear roadmap that shows restaurant workers, nurses, entrepreneurs, and all the citizens in waiting how to get into a line for citizenship, as well as to create a line for others. The second reason to vote for the motion is that the economic benefits are clear. The roadmap we create should focus on the contributions that people who are here are already making to our communities, economy, and society. At a practical level, it's good for our bottom line. Recent studies show that when young immigrants who have been able to get work authorization and temporary protection from deportation, we all benefit from that. They're able to more fully participate in society. They're able to buy big-ticket items like cars and homes. All of that helps our state coffers. The Congressional Budget Office in 2013 predicted that immigration reform would increase the GDP by 3.3% in 10 years. Finally, creating a path to citizenship is good for our society. It's in line with our American values of fairness, equality, and dignity. It recognizes the 11 million undocumented immigrants for who they really are, Americans at heart and citizens in waiting. Our country has had plenty of experience excluding entire segments of our population. When we denied African Americans and women the right to vote, Congress acted. When there was rampant discrimination against African Americans, Congress acted and passed the Civil Rights Act. Your vote tonight is a message to Congress to act and provide a path to citizenship. Thank you. Thank you, Marielena Incapier. And the motion again gives undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. And here to make his statement against the motion, Stephen Camarata. He is director of research at the Center for Immigration Studies. Here is Stephen Camarata. Let's start with some facts about the illegal immigrant population. One of the most important facts we know about illegal immigrants is that on average they have about a 10th grade education. This tells us a lot. It tells us which Americans are going to be competing with illegal immigrants for jobs. My opponents tonight identify strongly with illegal immigrants, and I understand that, and I think that's some to their credit. But we also have to keep in mind the Americans, even if they're not well represented in this room, the roughly 13 million who don't have a high school education, who research shows compete directly with illegal immigrants. If we let every illegal immigrant stay, the job competition stays. Now, you might say, well, they might not undercut the native-born anymore, the bottom line is you still fundamentally increase the supply of labor precisely among the most vulnerable part of the labor market. Let me talk very briefly about the impact on taxpayers. People who come to America with a high school degree or less are an enormous fiscal drain. On average, about $150,000 during their lifetime. An amnesty, a legalization or citizenship will make immigrants eligible, legal immigrants, for even more programs, likely increasing that. The total cost of letting all illegal immigrants stay and giving them citizenship is likely to be about a trillion dollars to taxpayers. Now, it's true, illegal immigration does make the economy bigger. More people is a bigger economy. But there's no evidence it makes the native-born richer. What it mainly does, it benefits the illegal immigrants themselves, if all of them get to stay, and it tends to come at the expense of taxpayers and the poorest and most vulnerable American workers at the bottom end of the labor market. There's no administrative capacity to even process 10 million applications. Our immigration service just gave out citizenship to 900 criminal aliens. They were all due to be deported. But the system is so screwed up, the bureaucracy is so overwhelmed, they all got citizenship instead. When we had our last amnesty in 86, between one-third and one-quarter of the people who got it then did so fraudulently. In 2013... The legislation that would have amnestied the illegal immigrants was longer than the New Testament. It was so complicated, no one read it. Everybody admitted they hadn't read it. Now, what's the alternative here? Well, the alternative is to start with something sensible, not rewarding everyone who broke the law. The alternative is to actually begin by enforcing the law. We, we control the border. We go after the employers who hire the illegal immigrants. We get the cooperation of local law enforcement. If even some illegal immigrants go home, it's good for American workers, it's good for taxpayers, it restores the rule of law. And it avoids this kind of radical idea that we should be handing out citizenship. And we don't need some big piece of legislation. Just enforcing current law would go a long way to moving the ball forward. Thank you. 
Thank you, Steve Camarata. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our motion is give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. Now we move on to round two. And in round two, the debaters address one another directly, and they also take questions from me and from you in our live audience here in New York. The team arguing for the motion that wants you to vote yes, uh, Angie Kelly and Marielena Incapier, they, they have portrayed uh, undocumented immigrants as citizens in waiting, Americans at heart, that this is their home, that they are contributors, they pay taxes, they want to be Americans, but the process makes it nearly impossible. There are long waits to, uh, to become uh, citizens, and they say that Congress needs to pass laws to show these people how to get in line and to show them where the line is. Uh, like their opponents, they think that the current system is not functioning very well, but for different reason. And their opponents, Rich Lowry and Steve Camerata, they portray citizenship as the most prized possession in the world, and they say that it is manifestly unfair to give it to people who have not played by the rules and waited in line like many have already. They argue that enforcement of the current laws is the solution, that to try to offer a path to citizenship to 11 million immigrants now would cost a fortune, and that those who would pay the highest price would be the most vulnerable among native-born Americans, the poorest and the least educated, because they would be competing for jobs. I want to go to the team that's arguing for, for you to vote yes uh, and, and bring to you your opponent's argument that it's just basically unfair to those who play by the rules already to let others kind of skip to the head of the line. I'll start with you, Angie Kelly. What's your response to that direct argument that it's just not fair? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not fair to lots of folks because the laws haven't been updated, as I've said, for 25 years. And we have a lot of people in this country illegally who are living with someone who has a green card or is a U.S. citizen. They have a qualifying family member. But as I try to describe, maybe not too clearly, what happens is that because they've been here without status, we punish them. There's a penalty. There's a bar. Ten years without status. So let's say I have a green card and I marry Steve because he's so super handsome. Steve, (laughs) we're madly in love, right? You've been living here illegally, but I have a green card. So I could apply for him, right? Now it's a two-year wait, but let's say that's okay. Now he has to leave the U.S. to get the green card at the embassy in La Paz, Bolivia, because he's actually Bolivian. He doesn't look it. And when he tries to do that, they say, no, no, sorry, you were here illegally. Ten-year bar, Steve, you're not coming back to Washington to live with your beautiful wife, Angie. That's the problem, right? So it's not so clean, right? It's not as if we've got all the undocumented people living in one apartment building just being undocumented and breaking the law. It's because we have a broken system. All right, let me take it back to Rich Lowry, who, who made the point originally. And, and so your opponent is saying that, that the situation is more complicated than your position allows for. Well, first of all, let me say Steve is a very lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Look, of course it's unfair. Gallup did a survey uh, recently around the world, and there are about 120, 150 million people who want to come here. And our opponent's position is, yeah, you you get not only just to stay, but to become a citizen if you jump the border or if you overstay your visa. Now, in in particular instances, there may be complications, there may be sympathetic cases, but to have that general rule as a a matter of category, you're going to make it possible for all these people to be citizens is manifestly unfair. We've all known people who've grappled with the immigration system, which is a nightmare, but most of the people we know do everything they can to stay within the rules. And the idea that illegal immigrants are Americans at heart, I think is a little hard to take. They're workers at heart. They come here to earn more money than they can at home, and they oftentimes send a lot of it at home. But in 1986, they were given the opportunity, you can be a citizen. What mattered more to them? Staying and working. So this is a key weakness in our opponent's case. Right. Every single problem they identify can be dealt with with an amnesty or a legalization without going all the way to citizenship. Let me take it to Marielena. Sure. A couple of things I would point out. One is this, this notion, I think what you're saying, Rich, about citizenship – it's not as if people were to become citizens tomorrow. They, they would apply and then become citizens tomorrow. Look, the last bill that the Senate passed by bipartisan vote included a 13-year wait. 
This, what we're saying is create a line, create a path to citizenship, let people know what the criteria is. That bill in particular in every bill that's been out there has included a penalty, background checks, people have to show that they've paid taxes. There are all of these things that people would need to do to earn citizenship. And they would be on this path, which again, the last bill but would I, be a long and arduous what, path. What I think I hear Rich saying though, is that for people in that position, and and part of the problem here is we're generalizing about a lot of people, okay? Let's acknowledge that. So everybody's in different situations. But I think that the bottom line principle he's saying is that if you got to, if you're here now in that status, you're you're farther up in the line than somebody who is you know, sitting in that's, Guatemala that's who would like to come well, here. Yeah. Th- that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah. But, you know, this is what's been contemplated in legislative proposals is that we clear out the family backlog, right, so that Steve and I can be reunited much more quickly. And there isn't a single undocumented person who gets legal status until that family backlog is cleared out. Because that's, again, the complexity and how these are interlocking. But these, you know, these requirements you mentioned, they're almost always entirely window dressing. The penalty that illegal immigrants are, are going to pay. Are you really going to make a, a poor illegal immigrant pay $10,000 fine? He or she can't afford. And, um, I or, can pay $10,000 fine. learning English. <laughs> There's never a requirement they actually learn. They have to go to a class. I went to a lot of German classes. I don't speak a word of German. And the idea they have to pay back taxes when most of them don't earn enough to actually owe a federal income tax liability, in fact, are probably owed money uh, by the federal government in the form of the subsidies we give low-income workers. All that is just boob bait for Bubba to kind of dress up this proposal and make it sound more appetizing. Let's, let's, let's let Angie respond. Wow. Um, I'm not sure who Bubba is. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you don't need to learn German to go to work every day. You don't need to learn German so that you can call a doctor when your baby is sick. But immigrants who are here, they want to learn English. They know that that is their ticket to a better life, and that is a ticket for their children for a better life. So you're saying that. So what I'm saying is, look. So you're saying it is window dressing. That requirement in law is window dressing. Because you're going to say they're going to do it anyway. So why is it in there? Pay taxes. Absolutely. That we have to go through background checks. That we will know who is in this country. Makes a lot more sense than the status quo where we don't know. And they're subject to exploitation. And it makes us all more vulnerable. But the bottom line is, advocates for the amnesty have focus groups, and they know the public likes the idea of saying, hey, they're going to learn English. That's not something that is actually in the bill. It's something the advocates say is in the bill. All you have to do is sign up for a class. They're going to pay taxes, and it's even implied they'll pay back taxes. This is just the kind of thing that the bill actually put people on a path to citizenship. Some of them got it very quickly. Some of them had to wait a long time. And some of them would have gotten it much earlier than 13 years, but the talking point is 13 years. Remember, the bill, as I indicated, is this thick. No one in this room, including myself, can read the whole thing and even understand it. And that's what we're talking about here. A bill that's impenetrable. So as someone who has read that bill from from, from first to end, let me just say a couple of things. Let me say a couple of things. This is not just about what the bills and all the various bills have been out there. This is about immigrants who are indeed paying. Look, the Institute for Taxation and Economic Policy, not an immigrant rights advocacy group, right, ITEP, talked about at the state and local level, immigrants are actually paying 50%, their 50% compliance. They pay more in income, 8% of their income, more than the one top 1% in our country. So immigrants are indeed paying taxes at the federal, state, and local level. They Every single bill, immigration bill that has been out there, has excluded immigrants from having access to federal public benefits, even to Obamacare. This is the, the, the center of capitalism, and even under this administration, an undocumented person can't pay out of their pocket to have access to Obamacare. So this notion that immigrants are taking more from our country is not what the facts are saying. Which, which we'd like to respond yeah, to, Steve? Straight, straight. Look, there's a lot of research on this question. The government actually collects a survey, and it does identify the illegal immigrants. It's called the Survey of Income and Program Participation, and the fraction of those households receiving various forms of welfare benefits is extremely high. It's over 50%. That said, 
that high welfare use rate is not because the immigrants are all lazy and it's not because the illegal immigrants all came to get welfare. Rather, as I indicated, it reflects their educational attainment, income, family size. That's what causes it. If you decide to let every illegal immigrant stay, you have to understand that given the education, there's an enormous cost for taxpayers. What, what Steve generally is really pointing to is their children who, yeah, they cost. I, God knows my kids cost, right? So we count them as a cost, the immigrant household, where kids are expensive. But then they but grow why, up. Why doesn't that they, hurt your argument? Sorry? Why doesn't that hurt your side's argument? Because all children, I mean, what, what would be the alternative, right? And all children are costly because we spend money educating them. The parents are not eligible for any benefits, we're investing in the kids who are U.S. citizens. Who are U.S. citizens, and then when the kids grow up, guess what? They do well. They earn money, right? And so it's you have to look at the ledger on both sides. That's one. Uh, Two. Give me another second sure. here, because they keep pointing. <laughs> no, take it. Uh, they, they keep pointing to the 1986 law known as IRCA, right? And what IRCA said. This is signed by Ronald Reagan, and it gave legal status, eventual citizenship for those who took it, for people who had been here since 1982. The law was passed in 1986. You already had four years of people who were here that weren't even eligible. And it set up something called employer sanctions, where employers had to start asking you for a document, which you guys still have to do, right? When you go to a job that you've been accepted for, you have to fill out a 9-9 form. But what the law didn't contemplate is that people will continue to come. That was the failing It didn't anticipate a future flow. So people would come with smugglers, not with visas. That's what has to change. And this notion that that was some kind of a magnet, that's not true. There was a lot of research done after IRCA passed. The numbers of illegal crossings actually initially went down, and then they leveled out. I'm going to break in because you've made some good points. I want to let your opponents respond. Kids do cost money, but the bottom line is, with the children of illegal immigrants, an enormous fraction get all the food assistance program, are are enrolled in Medicaid. The family is allowed to live in public houses in many cases, and they do get cash benefits on behalf of their U.S.-born children. If if you're a native-born person who doesn't have a high school education, you too are a fiscal drain, but it's your birthright to stay here. When we're talking about illegal immigrants, that's a very different question. I'm John Donvan. Still to come, questions from the audience and the results of tonight's debate on Intelligence Squared U.S. I want to remind you that we are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan, your moderator. We have four debaters, two teams of two, arguing it out over this motion. Give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. If you stand up, the mic will come down from your right-hand side. Hi there. Uh, I am a child of immigrants. Uh, My father came in 1968, more than 25 years ago, and applied for a visa, got a visa, um, worked nights, went to school during the day. My dad did it the right way, and the question I have is about fairness. Shouldn't we reward that path to citizenship? Absolutely. Yes, And my, my parents actually followed a very similar path. Same here. I completely agree with you. Let's see what the other Which side is. Which is why every proposal... Let me... Know that we got I'm a good, sorry, clean agreement. I thought it was directed at me. Look, it's a great question. Okay. The fairness question is absolutely spot on. And consider this. Once you've amnestied 10 million people, how do you then enforce the law after that? Doesn't it make it seem arbitrary? It seems like you're just picking on people because the last time you had 10 million illegal immigrants, you let them all stay and gave them citizenship. Why would, how can you make the case for enforcing the law once you've done this? Okay. And I think that's, that's a key question. It seems very hard. Angie, I cut you off, so you move forward. So what the proposals do is they say, we're going to increase these green cards for people who've already qualified, right? They have a family member here, and we'll bring them in first. And then over time, the people who are undocumented can then get their green cards. So they do have to wait in line behind the folks that are part of the backlog. Look, if everyone who comes here is currently as an illegal immigrant, as an American at heart, there's a limitless number of Americans at heart living abroad who will come here again. No, and no. You, you, <laughs> your solution has to be deportation, but in your terms, or letting them all stay or become citizens. So which is it? 
they should get on a path to citizenship. So every, but, every, but, but you're making my point. Every new no, person no, here, who comes, every new illegal immigrant that comes is American at heart, will get a job, will get embedded very quickly in a community, and can stay no, I'm sorry. and become I'm sorry. a citizen. I'm, I, I misunderstood. I am not saying that everybody who, gets to come, who comes to this country without status, with illegally, is going to be able to get on a path to citizenship. What well, we've described are people who have been here for many years people who are committed to this country. They'll show a work history. They'll show that they've been paying taxes. They'll show that they're learning English. Take 50 Just more because seconds, a person says, yeah, I'd like to go to the U.S. one day, that doesn't mean that they're going to pick up and move. You're, it's an exaggeration. But it's please, to make but, pe- got it. So, please, <laughs> this gentleman asked the question. New illegal immigrants are going to come unless we establish some utopian system that will never exist where no one violates the law and comes here illegally. What are you going to do with those people? We have an enormous amount of resources going into our border, right? So there are, at this point, the lowest rates of unauthorized immigration in 30 years. If people come to this country and they don't follow the rules, then yes. If they, if they don't do what? have What's yes? the kinds What's of equities, yes? then yes, yes? we should, we could, we do, absolutely we should do what? can move to deport those people. Deport but, them. Oh, this, how could this no, happen? No, you're being, she you're, wants to deport you, look, illegal immigrants. We are immigrants. talking about the 11 million who are in the country right now. We are talking so, about the 11 million who are in the country right now. And we are not talking right. about people future. coming but in the they future. Can all stay. The people who even, will come even, in the future will have to come with legal visas. We have a much tighter border now, and absolutely, at the point of hire where a person has to show that they are here legally and we go after that employer who goes ahead and hires that person. We have an electronic verification system, which I know Steve supports. That makes a lot of sense, but it has to be combined with legal visas and Y channels, enough for people to come to this country and we have to deal with the people who so, are here. So what Angie is saying is that the situation does not have to repeat. It does not have to be 1986 all over again. We can, the, the, we're talking about one group of 11 million uh, immigrants now. And once their, their status is resolved, uh, reform would keep the problem you're talking about from repeating itself. So and that I, does not seem unplausible. I, Rich I take her sincerity and earnestness as given. But we've had this experience in 1986 when we're supposed to have a system of enforcement, it never worked. It was never truly implemented. We have a new population of illegal immigrants, and the solution is to do exactly what we did in 1986. So listen, 1986 included employer sanctions. They were not enforced, completely agree, but they were employee sanctions. The What we saw was, rather than a raid by INS going after the employer, the raid resulted in the workers being deported and the employer got off scot-free. And Mike's coming. Yep. Hello, my name is Shirley. Do you think that more people get the citizenship uh, can help to build a more reasonable immigration system, or just a few of them get the citizenship and the rest be sent home can help to build a more reasonable system? So, if I. I'll try. It all comes down to criteria. We believe that we should come up with criteria to decide who is eligible, and undocumented workers would then have to come forward and prove that they're eligible, and that number, whoever is eligible based on the criteria that we have come up with, and frankly, we believe that that is part of the fairness. People have been here contributing and for waiting for 10, 20, 25 years without any way to become citizens. Response from the other side? The the reason someone is here illegally is basically two reasons. Always remember this. Somebody either purposefully snuck across the U.S. border or they came on a long-term temporary visa, guest worker, foreign student, after promising at the consulate overseas that they would go home after a certain amount of time. They broke that promise and chose to stay in the United States. They are responsible for their behavior. If we could encourage more people to go home of illegal immigrants, then that would be good for workers, good for taxpayers, the public fisc, and it would restore integrity to a system badly lacking. Just a very minor point. If you make it harder to work here and to get a job, people will leave. There's been a lot of talk about how the levels of illegal immigration from Mexico now are sort of netting out to zero. People are still coming. 
but people are also leaving. People will leave. Okay, I want to give the, well, on the last word on yeah. this is Marilena. People will not leave. That strategy, let me tell you, that strategy is called attrition through enforcement. Arizona, Utah, Indiana, Georgia, South Carolina, and Alabama all try it. We at the National Immigration Law Center sued every single one of those states. It got struck down in federal court. People did not leave. They have roots in our communities. That approach has been deemed unconstitutional by our federal courts because the way it happens in reality is through racial profiling. The way it happens in reality is ripping apart families. And our main plaintiff in Arizona was a U.S. citizen of Spanish and Chinese descent. Steve's comments reminded me of something else, the profile of who is undocumented immigrants. They keep talking about the poor and uneducated, et cetera, et cetera. The majority of undocumented immigrants, and actually the growing number of undocumented immigrants, are from China and India, very, very well-educated, who are overstaying their visas because they now have deep ties to our country and because of political and economic reasons in their home countries. And that that concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate where our motion is give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. And now we move on to round three. Round three is comprised of brief closing statements by each debater in turn. Here making her closing statement in support of the motion, Marielena Incapier, Executive Director of the National Immigration Law Center. Thank you, John. Well, you wouldn't know it from listening to the anti-immigrant, anti-refugee, anti-Muslim rhetoric during this presidential debate. This is an issue that does not matter whether you are a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. It's an issue about people, about economic opportunities, and our values as Americans. Let me level with you, and several of you asked this question. My family and I also came to the United States with a green card. I could argue that we came in, quote-unquote, the right way and be fine with closing the door behind us, but I'm also painfully aware that if my parents migrated today instead of the 1970s, I wouldn't be here with you. My siblings would not be teachers, biochemists, health professionals, or small business owners. But I continue to believe in the promise of America. I believe that people like Mercedes Garcia, an aspiring citizen who's been in the United States for 18 years, should have the same opportunities that my family did. Mercedes is a single parent because her husband was deported five years ago, and she hasn't seen him since then. Mercedes is a registered nurse in Mexico and wants so much to contribute and give her skills to this country. When we've been on the right side of history, we've updated our laws to include people, not to exclude them. Tonight's debate boils down to this. The difference is Angie and I want Mercedes and her family to stay together. They want her citizen children to grow up without their parents or or to also be deported. The difference is we recognize that America as a whole benefits when people like Mercedes can fulfill her full potential and pay even more taxes. Our opponents want to deny Americans those contributions. Providing a path to citizenship sends a powerful message to undocumented immigrants that we are one community, one country. They are part of us, and they should have the ability to be fully invested in the country we all call home. Please vote yes for the motion to provide undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. Thank you, Marilena Incapio. And here to persuade you to vote against the motion in his closing statement, Stephen Camerata, Director of Research at the Center for Immigration Studies. Well, thank you. And again, I want to thank Intelligence Squared. Look, I've spent a lot of time talking to you about that and why I think that the case is, it should not be that we should let all legal immigrants stay and give them citizenship. But instead, I'm going to tell you a quick story. It's a true story. Imagine two people came from India as guest workers to the United States. And these two people worked as guest workers for the six years that they were allowed. Now, remember, before coming, they promised a consul officer that they would go home after six years. Both of them had girlfriends. Both of them wanted to stay. Who can blame them, right? But one said, well, look, I've given my word. I have to go home. I have to abide by the rules. And he went back to India. The other one didn't. He didn't get married. He just hung out with his girlfriend. He got a job. He delivered pizza. And the point is, he's still here. He's been here for a long time. He's had several girlfriends in that time period. Now, the thing about it is, if you buy the argument of our opponents, the right thing, the morally right thing to do is to allow the person 
who violated what he said he was going to do, the person who has consistently violated the law for about eight years in this case, that person not only gets to stay, but he gets citizenship. And the poor slob who did what he promised, who obeyed the rules, is stuck back in India thinking, what, I'm a sucker. If I had only broken the law, if I had only broken my promise, if our opponents are successful, I could have stayed too. And not just being allowed to stay as a guest worker, I get American citizenship at the end of this process. So when you think about people, think about those people and think about that poor slob in India who did what he was supposed to do and now is so much worse off if our opponents did get their way. Thank you, Steve Camerata. The motion, give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship, and here making her closing statement in support of the motion, Angie Kelly, Senior Vice President at the Center for American Progress. Thank you. So the good news is that we can do this, right? We don't have to choose between having border security or having unlimited number of people coming to this country and a path to citizenship. The best way is to enact reform that transforms what we all agree is a chaotic and broken system into an orderly and controlled one. If we combine enforcement at the border and at the workplace with legalization and citizenship, then we can actually have a sensible system that works for our country. The three legs of legal immigration dealing sensibly with the 11 million and robust security at the border and at place of employment will actually solve the problem. And it is a question of fairness, absolutely. People who've been waiting in line, absolutely. We should, if they still qualify, have them come to the United States, have them reunite with a family member, have them contribute. But it's also a question of fairness of the people who have been in this country because they didn't want to be apart from their loved one because they had to send their kid here because of the violence in their country. And so what are we going to do with those folks? That's the question you have to answer today. It's the 11 million. So my husband's an ESL teacher, and he has a lot of immigrant students who've come here from Central America. And about a year ago, his student who was a senior, Esteban, came into his classroom and started crying. And he said... I was sent to this country because I was being targeted for being in a gang. He wasn't in a gang. He was being targeted to join a gang. My father just got pulled out of our shop and was shot in the middle of the street. My father is murdered. So Esteban didn't know what to do except to keep on working and studying. And he did graduate. And he did go to college. And he did so because people surrounded him, and said, this is someone that we want to invest in. So the question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to deport the Estebans, or are we going to invest in them, and they'll contribute back? Angie, it's a fundamental I have to question of you. fairness all overall. Thank you, Angie Kelly. Here making his closing statement against the motion, Rich Lowry, editor of the National Review. I used to do some work with an outfit here in Manhattan, helping men who might have been temporarily homeless, might have had a drinking problem, might have had a problem with addiction, get back on their feet and get a job again. These guys were applying to be janitors. They would have been so grateful to go somewhere and sweep a floor and get paid something for it. And what we are doing, in effect, is importing a massive amount of foreign labor to compete with those guys. Why, of all the people in the country, are we going to have an immigration system that makes it harder on them? We're not doing that to CEOs. We're not doing that to lawyers. We're not doing that to accountants. And there is no other country in the world that does it this way, that just willy-nilly lets people come and stay if they happen to get here. Canada, nice open Canada, what do they do? They actually emphasize skills. They have a system that emphasizes bringing the people they want to bring who can thrive in this country and not make it harder for the people further down the income scale. So I say, for that reason and all the others that we have adduced this evening, this resolution 
should, must, and has failed. Thank you, Rich Lowry. And that concludes round three of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where the motion is, give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. So um, I now have the final results. Remember, it's the team whose numbers change the most between the first and the second vote that determines our winner. In the first vote on the motion, give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship. 66% voted yes, agreed with this motion. 10% were against, voting no. And 24% were undecided. That's the first vote. Let's look at the second vote. The team arguing for the motion, their first vote was 66%. Their second vote was 55%. They lost 11 percentage points. Let's look at the team against the motion. Their first vote was 10%. Their second vote was 37%. They went up 27 percentage points. It means the team arguing no to the motion, give undocumented immigrants a path to citizenship, are our winners. Our congratulations to them. Thank you from me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared U.S. We'll see you next time. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate was held in front of a live audience at the Kaufman Center in New York City. Dana Wolf is our executive producer, Robert Rosencrantz is chairman, Taylor Quimby and Rob Christensen are the radio producers, Damon Whittemore is the audio engineer, Clea Chang is chief marketing and digital officer, Chris Kamakawa is director of research, and I'm your host, John Donvan. You can now stream all of our debates on demand on Apple TV and Roku devices with the new IQ2US app. For more information on that or to purchase tickets to future events, visit iq2us.org. These debates are made possible by generous contributions from listeners like you and with support from the Connor Davis Family Foundation, David A. Coulter, Robert Epstein, Thomas Campbell Jackson, Christopher W. Johnson, Charitable Trust, Ilona Nemeth and Alan Quasha, George L. Orstrom Jr. Foundation, Jerry Orstrom, Dr. Kelly Posner Gerstenhaber, the Rosencrantz Foundation, the Mortimer D. Sackler Foundation, and the Paul E. Singer Foundation. From Intelligence Squared U.S., thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.